Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of the universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen. I'm your host, David Z. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And this episode, we're going to be talking about the season premiere of Supergirl Season 3. Girl of Steel. As per Wikipedia, Kara has been dreaming of Monel, obsessive with her vigilantism and ignoring downtime with others in her life. Lena and James oppose industrialist Morgan Edge on his plans for the waterfront housing estates. James is running Catco with Cat as White House press secretary and Snapper on a vacation. Kara quits Catco, believing she needs to prioritize her vigilantism, pushing away Alex, who is marrying Maggie. Edge hires criminal Bloodsport, who attacks the unveiling of a Supergirl statue by the waterfront with a submarine, forcing Kara to go underwater to stop them. When she passes out, her dream of Monel rallies her and she stops the plot. In order to nullify Edge's attempts to buy Catco and silence it, Lena buys it herself. Kara decides to return to Catco and joins her friends. Meanwhile, a woman named uh, a woman whom Alex helped at the waterfront wakes up after a dream with a disturbing creature. All right, um. <laughs> How are you feeling about this episode, man? I enjoyed it. Uh, it got to what I hope is a turning point in the show mm-hmm. that uh, you and I discussed at length over the break and recently. Yeah. Um, where this kind of bratty, petulant thing that has become Supergirl might actually be Supergirl again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really invested in her becoming Supergirl again. And I'm hoping this show did some some of the work to turn that around. Well, it, it feels like they're they're sort of like, well, I mean, we have to give her some awful reaction to every bit of adversity that she has in her life. It's like every time anything goes wrong, she has to become this this person. It's like I'm like, is there red kryptonite around? What's happening? No, no, <laughs> red kryptonite was actually yeah, she would have been more interesting with that. Well, I've always found red kryptonite slightly boring because it's it's just a oh yeah, that's right, you do. It's a living plot device. Oh, absolutely. So I'm slightly bored by it. Like, in Smallville, it was one of my least favorite things. 
Um, this isn't just Supergirl related. This is an ongoing problem with me and the the Kryptonian mythology. Is I don't I don't like the red kryptonite thing. Hey, what if a character just did everything else <laughs> because he got near this rock? You know, in Smallville, I was always bummed when the red kryptonite went away. <laughs> no, I mean aside from giving uh, Welling a, a chance to really stretch his wings on acting, it, it was a it was a waste of time for me. But here, uh, same kind of thing and. I get what you're saying as far as um, – I get the comparison, but – Yeah. They, I mean, everything – anytime anything goes wrong in Kara's life, she acts like a brat. Which is more or less justifiable. I mean, we're, we're calling it a brat and kind of generalizing her actions, but if you look at each of them independently, they make sense on paper. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Like, I can justify any any one of the things. Like, her and Monel. Um, Okay, second half of last season, why did it take so long for her to fall in love with him and admit it to herself? Well, she's never had the opportunity to love someone that was as much like her. Um, she's always been, you know, a, a stranger in a strange land, and this is finally a person that can really relate to her on a on a level that, I mean, she'll, she'll never see again. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that's scary. Like, falling... And for her, that's also... The show hasn't really shown us a lot of her falling in love. It showed us, you know, cats son but and and james but it wasn't it really wasn't quite the same it, yeah it was, it's, it's different on paper than it is on screen though when week in week out you're showing her being a jerk to Monel. that was the problem is like i get how it works that it took so long for her to get to him uh, or like to kind of open herself up to that relationship and to accept it that makes mm-hmm. sense to me what i sure. saw week to week was her kind of being a jackass sometimes so <laughs> Like, the second half of last season was a little, I don't know, a little tiresome in that way. And I'm actually hoping, I'm encouraged, by, like, this season, same time. Um, you know, why why does breaking up with the boyfriend affect her so much? Well, it's for all the reasons I just described. This is a huge investment she made. And it didn't just backfire. It's she fired it into space. I mean, she she had to, to make this decision to put National City and the rest of the world, really above her own interests it it's Mm -hmm. it's rough and that's hard to do to your first real i want to say first real love sorry cat's son adam right i want to say adam yeah it was adam um so sorry adam but yeah that's different and it it's it's gonna hurt more i get it and it it even i I even liked um kind of late in the uh, late in the show where it was the like she's kind of drowning and the wake up scene even that tracks for me i'm fine this all makes sense that made sense to me. Um, yeah, good moment, and it was a good use of her flashbacks. That actually, the flashbacks, just to point out, looked pretty fantastic. Like, yeah, I, I wish I they daydreamed did. to that level of detail and and gloriousness. I mean, um, I would love to be able to break out of my daily life and and experience fields of grass and like at that that level. I yeah. don't I don't have her imaginative powers, unfortunately. But still, well, it, it like with Monel, it it makes sense to me that it took it that. She spent the last several months kind of putting everyone off, that it came to that with her and Alex. All of that. All of that makes sense to me. It's it's just like, a, to me, it's a portrayal of depression that I can completely make sense of. Now, it's not Supergirl, and it's not the one we fell in love with for a season and a half, um, but it at least makes sense on screen, and I, I hope they get her back to being Supergirl. Yeah, that's, that's my big hope, is that uh, they just sudden, well... You know, I always hate to to look at a TV show and say, like, oh, man, look at that big shift they took the character in for, you know. So people just don't turn off their emotions. 
that on these shows they kind of do. Um, well, I think people well, do though. People don't so much turn them <laughs> off as they. Well, it's, it's usually called sublimation them. or uh, masking or something like that. But it's just you. You just process things differently. Whatever it yeah. is, I mean, substance abuse or saving as many people as you possibly can. All right, uh, Adrian Pazdar. Um, we're we're seeing him here uh, playing Morgan Edge. You happy to see Adrian back on uh, another superhero show? Honestly, I'm just always happy to see him. I actually thought he was. Uh, I always thought he was a leading man that never never found the right vehicle. Well, that's the thing. He's always just a little annoying to me. I don't know that I would really want to see him as a leading man necessarily. I guess he was kind of a leading man on Heroes, though. Pretty close. I mean, it, I mean, it was a patchwork show, and I mean, essentially, it was Siler and uh, Peter that were, I, I guess, really leading it. Uh, and the cheerleader, whose name I've forgotten. It's not my fault. They kept calling her cheerleader. Anyway, anyway, like he was part Claire. of a group. Yeah, Claire. Thank you. Um, and I suppose hero. Anyway, yeah, that that gets my point. It's it's a very patchwork show, but I was always really happy to see him, and he he did kind of steal the episode when he was on. Yeah, but he's very, he's always very uh, obviously a character actor to me. He is, he is. I know. I just uh, he always had enough presence that I thought he was capable of more, and he's just never found the right show. Yeah. Uh. Well, he might still, you know. But I'm excited to see Morgan Edge. It's a Jack Kirby creation. Uh. You know. Never been the biggest fan of Inner Gang, but I, you know, I'd be interested to see what uh, Supergirl does with it, and if they start bringing in uh, some new God stuff. Yeah, they probably won't because of Justice League, though. Yeah, or at least some nice alien tech to fight with her. Yeah, that's always fun. They did give him one of my favorite lines. Uh, he tells like uh, tells Lena like, or she she tells him, uh, "You're not as powerful as you think you are." And then he replies, "Then why are we meeting in my office?" Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was good. That is. Con- Conference room ball swinging right there. <laughs> um, so I uh, I teared up when Alex asked uh, Jean to to walk her down the aisle there. Yeah, I think that was probably the big kind of win of the episode. Yeah, for me. I mean, well, we didn't have a lot of win in the episode, but yeah. But he he hung in there. <laughs> Get it? Win? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Meh. Um. Yeah, that was a, a genuinely heart-filling. It's not really heartbreaking. Heartwarming scene? I don't know. I choked up. Yeah. But, and, and this reflects poorly on me as a person, I know. But it, for for a second, when she said, I need something from you, for just a second, because they had just talked about how her dad's not actually going to be there, and I, I thought she was about to ask him to use his shape, shape-shifting powers to pretend to be her, pretend to be Dean Cain, so Dean Cain dad could be at the wedding, and... Then I felt really bad because because it was a really sweet scene and I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't think she was gonna go that route when she told um I think she told Maggie I think it was Maggie she's like my dad's not gonna be able to be there I'm like oh you're gonna get John to do it cool <laughs> see that all still led up to me to some ridiculous uh, absurd <laughs> circuitous path that I I, yeah. I genuinely felt bad as a person because it was a really sweet scene and I just I don't know. I, yeah. I imposed something on it that was really tragic. <laughs> That's all right, man. I had to reckon with myself afterwards. All right. Um, so, I, you know, I, hmm. I don't want to say Alex annoyed me this episode necessarily, but the um, the exposition talk sure did. Like the, <laughs> Especially at the very beginning when she, like, walks in. I don't remember exactly what happened. She said, I think Supergirl saved them, and she was like, 
She referred to Supergirl saving my fiance and I, which was it was a grammatically incorrect. She's <laughs> always a little bothersome. Yeah, uh, and also everybody in that room knows who your fiance is. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Like and like two seconds later, they're talking about like or you know appetizer tastings and and shit. They talked about the wedding throughout the entire episode organically. I might add, there was no point in saying my fiance. It's just needless expository dialogue that these shows revel in. <laughs> I they don't revel in. It, it just bothers me. Oh, not revel in it, but they dabble in it. Maybe I, something in between. I don't because... think it's. I don't think it's kind of a plague. <laughs> But we're, we're definitely, you know, exposed to it, so to speak. Yeah. They did, I mean, that that was gratuitous expo- exposition, no doubt. But it did have, um, I don't know, I mean, like when, when Kara withdraws, um, you get some neat moments out of her. Like, uh, you know, that she's talking about weakness and like, that's what humans do and I'm better than human. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what else? Oh yeah, uh, Car Denver's sucks right now. Supergirl is great. Like I, I don't think I've ever had a dual identity thing going on, but I, I've certainly thought to myself, "Man, you suck right now. You should do a different thing than you. You should whatever you're not doing, you should do that." Right. So I, like, I was I can, fine with that. I can understand where she's coming from. Also, again, there's so much you know just avoidance behavior with with what she's doing, which luckily amounts to her being a complete badass and saving. Like, more people than ever. So, it, it's maybe the least destructive anyone's ever been in their self-destructive behavior, if that makes any kind of sense. But, I don't know. Um, I think it's the same speech where uh, she talks about, like, Kara being her favorite person, not Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the part of that speech that really worked for me was the line about, like, just think about that while you're trying to get rid of her. Uh-huh. That was actually really good. But, yeah, the rest of the parts of that could have gone. But that was a really good sentiment. Yeah, I um, uh, you know, it has to be there for drama purposes. I feel like there are probably better ways to come up with with drama, but it always bothers me when people just don't talk to each other on on film. Like, is like, you know because where that, that little thing it's on film and there's dialogue and you're supposed to be talking because dialogue because yeah, that makes I mean, a ton of know, sense. <laughs> I don't I don't know how most relationships go. I really don't. <laughs> but you know when I'm sitting there going like, man, this could all like. Probably four episodes worth of drama could just be fixed if you just tell them, hey, I want my dad at the wedding, and I'm sad that he's not going to be there. That is not even, that's not like I'm avoiding telling my fiance because it's a thing that they're doing. It's not even anything like that. It's just, hey, I'm really bummed my dad can't come. And it's like, yeah, I know. That's sad. I'm sorry. And then you can move on. Uh, People that aren't, (laughs) people just aren't that concise is what it comes down to. We're sloppy creatures. Like we we just we express ourselves poorly. We 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 have trouble processing emotions, much less displaying them. Mm-hmm. So I, like I get it, and I always appreciate shows that really you know go the extra mile to show someone processing emotion poorly. I think part of the problem here is that like it is a good example of someone processing emotion poorly. Like I like the portrayal of Supergirl as a you know a, a depression. Um, I don't want to say victim, but someone who's experiencing depression. Uh, mm-hmm. that works for me for the, as a, you know, the story for the episode, but yeah, it's not always expressed the best way. I think that's what it came down to, uh, to, to, for you was there, you didn't mind the ideas so much as there were some execution problems. Yeah. There were a few execution problems. I just couldn't get, couldn't get around. Yeah. 
I liked uh, Katie McGrath this episode, though I think uh, I seem to remember you didn't like her her uh, her accent again. I never I didn't notice it this episode. I did, and that's that's uh, my fault. She I originally saw her in Merlin, and it's such a thick accent in that show that like now I can't help but hear it when she just teeters a little bit. I'm like ah yeah I knew it. It's really stupid because I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I'm I don't, nitpicking. I, she's she's. It's not like she has a bad American accent. It's just that I can tell every time she slips because I know where she, what to look for. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's weird about human ears? I feel the same the way shape. about James Marsters. Oh yes. Except James Marsters is American. <laughs> so when I hear him doing an American accent, his normal voice, I'm like, oh, you slipped. <laughs> wait, he totally wait. didn't slip. Never mind. <laughs> it's just that. He spent, what, 15, 20% of his life speaking in a British accent? I don't know about all that, but, you know. <laughs> As viewers, we put him in that accent for years. Yeah, we did. We sure did. We did. All right, um, well, you know, going forward, I'm not sure how I want, you know, I complain about Kara being a brat, but um, by the end of season one, she was almost completely, you know, fully formed, it felt like. Um, as at the very least her, her, uh, her superhero persona, which is, I think what, I think we really want both of those, uh, both of her identities to, to mesh, but you know, it doesn't leave a lot of room for character development. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it, I mean, unfortunately it does though, but like it, it, I I agree by end of season one as a superhero, she was pretty well developed, but Mm -hmm. as Kara, she's lacking like desperately lacking development i mean she, they didn't really do much with her in season one other than just showing her as a person and her acceptance of her new role mm-hmm. um Kara going through stuff there's there's plenty of room to deal with there's plenty of space for that yeah but you know the best that's what the whole alex thing was i feel like about was like where she was saying like look alex uh or i mean look Kara is the best uh is, is the best person i know etc mm-hmm. but you know that to me, like Supergirl is Kara. You know, I, and I was thinking about this. I was just like, man, it wouldn't have been so much more interesting if, like, Cat Grant had like if they'd gone down the path of making Supergirl like because she looks up to Cat Grant so much, having her like actually becoming this like PR force that Cat Grant was trying to turn her into. So like the Supergirl persona really is a ridiculous facade that has to keep up appearances and like keep the brand up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Like sort of unintentionally turn cat into a, into a villain of sorts, not like a true villain, but I don't know. Just, I don't know. It's just yeah, a kind of, of a, a catalyst that goes the wrong way for a second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got nothing on blood sports so far. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. a question I have. Why do they always make these statues for these superheroes on the waterfront? That's pretty out there. That's all I got, for real. Although, um, her finding the heartbeat on a submarine, uh huh, that was cool. I don't care how we got there. That was cool. <laughs> I kind of liked it more when she pushed the the um, the bomb or the the missile back into the submarine. That was cool too. Yeah, I, I'm actually. It, I mean, I'm excited about a lot from what I've seen. I, I've got my problems with where they went for a second with her. I'm hoping it's for a mm-hmm. second. Um. I mean, it's only been some 10 episodes that she was kind of bratty that we're really talking about. So like, hopefully we're, we're getting past that. And mm-hmm. like, this episode, especially when she comes back to the table and 
kind of she's not expected to be there. She blows him off, and then she kind of has a moment with herself and realizes she should, you know, go hang out with her friends. And that was really touching to me. Again, out of a, yeah. uh, you know, if you view the episode as a portrayal of depression, that's also like a great first step. Just go, just go sit at a table with your friends for a second. And just try that. It's a huge deal if if you're in a depressive state to actually even think about doing that. But if you actually do it, it, it is like a, a, I don't know, it's a step in the right direction. So I like that. But um, God, more than anything, I'm excited about, she is kind of a badass now. I mean, she's like still on the keyboard from when she's putting James in his place. She's um, floating in the middle of the air, listening to heartbeats if she has to, or, I mean, she's at the top of her powers so far from what they've shown us. Mm-hmm. Could be kind of fitting since, um, I mean, what they're going to give us this season as a villain is going to be pretty much, I mean, it, it's going to be at her power levels. Right. Speaking of which, how'd you like the whole rain introduction? I mean, it was fine. I didn't really notice much of an introduction except that she, like, you know, pulled a, a beam off of her daughter. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was the activation of her powers, realistically. Yeah, it was fine. I, you know. You and people don't do that. Uh-huh. In real life, that baby dies. <laughs> no, nah, man, they're they're tales of uh, of humans doing that kind of stuff. You know, the, yeah, uh, the old adrenaline kicks in. Yeah, tales, I say. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed the scene. Um, it's possible that like my favorite part of the episode though is when uh, Supergirl finally confronts uh, Morgan Edge mm-hmm. and tells him like, "I see you, Edge, but." National City is my town, and now you've got all my attention. Yeah. That was, to me, I think the culmination of... Uh, between that and her... Uh, between Supergirl getting to that point where she's not just not just a badass who's increased her powers, I think, over the last few months, but a badass who's, I don't know, got some real bravado now. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a ball-in kind of approach to that situation. Between that and Kara actually stepping out of her shell and, you know, going out with her friends again, I uh, thought the... Ah, the the show might be going in the right direction for me. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so, man. Uh, I don't think I have anything else on this episode. Don't think so. I mean, I liked Lena uh, calling out herself for a Luther praising a Kryptonian, but mm-hmm. I think I just focused on that because I, I want to like Lena. I really do. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that she'll remain a good guy? Right now, pretty heavy. Yeah? Yeah. None of this uh, Smallville nonsense? <laughs> I don't... I don't think so. I, I like. I feel like they went through that with her a little bit last season, and now the story is more about like the the story right now is more about somebody who just wants to go have lunch with a friend and you know feel like she has a friend again. Yeah. I mean, she she calls out Kara for basically avoiding her, and that's the if anything doesn't have resolution right now, it's that on this episode. She uh, yeah, she could use some attention as a friend. Yeah. So that's how she'll turn evil. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be slowly neglected. Mm-hmm. Neglect and, then, and I mean, uh, like a, an abundance of, uh, what, what do they call, FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And maybe she'll unfriend her on Facebook, and then we have a true villain. And, you you know, she'll be mad when she finds out that Kara's been keeping their, her, this big secret from her, that she's Supergirl, and she'll be like, but you didn't trust me. You, you can almost count on that. Honestly... I might put that up to a coin flip, whether they go the other way with it about, I think about how nice it would be. And, and within the Berlantiverse, they do enjoy having like a think tank character 
and Wynn and the DEO are, are pretty solid at it, but come on. I mean, we've seen Lena and Wynn in the same room, and they're pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they she, might go that way. She'd it? be a great, great addition to the team. Yeah, they might. Yeah, they might go that way. I would lean the way you suggested, though. If I was, if I was really picking right now, I would. I would bet. You on mean that. you would lean it that way? I would lean it that way. I would. All right, I think that's it, man. <laughs> Seems like a great spot. <laughs> All right, we're DC on screen. You can find every episode at dconscreen.com. We are in partnership with TV Time, your TV show calendar available on the web, Android, and iOS. We tweet at DC on screen. We are on Facebook. Go like us, please like us now. <laughs> we'll be right back with the season premiere of uh, Flash, The Flash Reborn. Until then, keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52 Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band Future Elevators can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team-Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Visit fergusonshowrooms.com to shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to meet with our experts at your local Ferguson, bath, kitchen, and lighting gallery. Together we'll help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in. Get started on your project and discover extraordinary products like the Orizo Chandelier from Progress Lighting. 